Welcome to Fresh Image. Fresh Image is a nonprofit Catholic ministry committed to providing individuals and communities with resources to facilitate the full flourishing of the image of God in each and every single human person. Not only will you find hundreds of articles, convenient audios, and presentations on our beautiful faith, but also catechetical resources to be used in the classroom, at the parish, and at the kitchen table. Today, we are happy to present Fresh Image Gospel Reflections from our founder, Tony Crescio. Tony reminds us that it is when we look into the mirror of Scripture that we discover the unique image of God we have each been created to be. My dear friends in Christ, blessings to you on this first Sunday of Advent. With the first Sunday of Advent, strange as it may seem, we also celebrate the beginning of a new liturgical year in the life of the Church. More on this in due course. The season of Advent, the shortest of the liturgical seasons, may well be the most difficult for Christians to celebrate properly, to enter into fully. I noted this several weekends ago, on the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Since Halloween, the big retail companies, in conjunction with the entertainment industry, have been hurrying us toward Christmas. We might even say that these companies have ushered in their own version of the Christmas season. We need do no more than walk into a store, or turn on our radios or TVs for more than a few seconds to be bombarded with signs of what is called the holiday season. Retail stores greet us with special deals on a whole variety of products, promising you can find something just right for that special someone on your list. Cable networks broadcast everything from movies to cooking, baking, and lighting competitions, all targeted towards this holiday season. And some radio stations have been playing Christmas music since the day after Halloween. But, as Christians, we should ask ourselves to what extent all of this is part of an authentic celebration of Christmas, or whether this holiday season, so much talked about, is in actuality a doppelganger of the true Christmas, cheapened by way of commodification. I begin this way not in the spirit of Scrooge, but in the spirit of Advent. For while the commercial retail and entertainment industries are doing their best to make their own version of the holiday season our own, Christ has a very different sort of message for us today. And it is decidedly not the cheery and warm sort of greeting we have come to expect this time of year. Instead, in a manner totally unlike the retail and entertainment industries, today Jesus issues a stark warning. Watch! In the final verse of our gospel passage for today from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says to us, What I say to you, I say to all. Watch! The Greek word used by Mark the Evangelist here means more literally, stay awake. The idea Jesus is trying to impress upon us is that we must be as watchmen at night, on the lookout for someone's arrival. He makes this clear in the parable he teaches us in the previous verses. There, Jesus tells us of a master of a house, going on a journey abroad, who leaves his servants in charge in his stead, but tells no one when he will return. We have all had such experiences numerous times throughout the course of our lives, from the time we are very young. When we are children and up to no good, we look over our shoulders to see if our parents are coming. As we age, we experience the same with respect to our teachers, and as adults, the same once again with our bosses. There is a sense of nervous anxiety about when they might return, for we don't want them to find us misbehaving, but rather obedient and hard at work. 
Today, Jesus is trying to tap into this part of the human experience to put us on our toes with respect to a very specific arrival. The arrival Jesus speaks of today is his own. Very simply, Jesus is teaching us to watch for his coming, for his arrival. It thus makes all the sense in the world that the church would present this gospel reading to us on the very first Sunday of Advent, for the word Advent finds its origin in the Latin adventus, meaning a coming or an arrival. Okay, sounds good, we might be tempted to say with a shrug. This is not an uncommon thing for Jesus to say to us, as he does so repeatedly throughout the Gospels. However, does this make sense in terms of how we normally think about the season of Advent, if we take the time to think about it at all? If one were to ask the average Christian what the season of Advent is all about, the response received would likely be along the lines that Advent is the time right before Christmas, which, although vague, is correct. But such a response, though correct, makes Jesus' message for us in our gospel reading for today very strange. Why? Because Christmas, to state the obvious, is the celebration of the birth of the Incarnate Son. Consequently, for Jesus at the age of roughly 30 to tell us to watch for his birth in historical context simply does not make sense. What, then, is he telling us to watch for? The parousia, his second coming in glory, when he will come to judge the living and the dead, and at last bring about the consummation of his kingdom without end, as we profess every single Sunday in the Creed. The way the pericope, today's gospel passage, has been selectively edited is a bit misleading on this score. I say this because our passage for today begins with verse 33, while the section begins with verse 32, which relates Jesus saying to us, But of that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. This verse doesn't really put us in any better position to understand what exactly Jesus is talking about, but it would prompt us to go looking further. So for a more complete understanding, we have to go back to verses 24 to 27 in chapter 13 of Mark's gospel. There, Jesus says, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels to gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth, to the end of the sky. Jesus is drawing directly from the prophetic tradition of Israel to depict an apocalyptic moment very vividly. He draws from the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, and Amos to paint a picture of his arrival at the end of the ages, the time of which he says no one knows except the Father. It is this arrival that Jesus tells us to watch for today, the first Sunday of Advent. A series of questions sort of beg themselves at this point. For starters, how many of us associate the second coming of Christ with the season of Advent? In order to be more direct, we can ask this question a bit differently. How many of us associate the season of Advent with our final judgment? All of the passages Jesus draws from to describe his second coming, which we are to watch for, deal with a terrible day of divine judgment, a time when God himself will set things right a time of punishment for those who have failed to live in the manner for which we were created, and a time of justification for those who have. At this point, it becomes very clear how, at least in some ways, the holiday season promoted by the entertainment and retail industries is decidedly a doppelganger, or an empty knockoff of the authentic Christmas season. 
While the church is placing before our minds the end times and our final judgment, the secular culture is telling us to whoop it up, in large part by accumulating as much stuff as we can and helping others to do the same. Understanding the difference is imperative for Christians if we are to enter into and live the season of Advent authentically. Another question suggests itself at this point. Why does the church choose readings dealing with the end of time at the beginning of a new liturgical year, in a liturgical season, immediately prior to Christmas? Theologically speaking, the church is identifying the two distinct comings of Christ with one another, his first coming in his incarnation and his second coming at the end of time. While the two arrivals have distinct differences in divine purpose, the first coming about offering the gift of salvation through the Son, and the second about final judgment, both have something important in common. Both advents of Christ, if you will, are about setting things right, and more specifically, setting things right between the human family and God, creation and the Creator. The first coming accomplishes this by the grace won by the cross of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, through which God will continue to be at work, setting things right between the human family and himself until the parousia, which will consummate God's work of salvation, when God will be all in all through, with, and in the Son. Consequently, the manner in which God's people were and are to prepare for both is identical. The prophetic tradition Jesus draws from in this section of Mark provides a good way to see this. In terms of message, the Old Testament prophets basically all follow the same sort of three-step rhythm. First, a proclamation of judgment for failure to live according to the covenant is issued, followed by a call to repentance and concluding with the promise of salvation. The passage Jesus draws from in the prophet Joel is an excellent example of this. In chapter 2, verse 1, the prophet proclaims that, The day of the Lord is coming, it is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. In verse 10, we find Joel using imagery Jesus used. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. Truly, Joel goes on to say in verse 11, The day of the Lord is great, terrible indeed, who can endure it? Not exactly your stereotypical warm and fuzzy holiday season message, is it? Yet this is the type of occasion of judgment Jesus is speaking of today on this first Sunday of Advent. So what is our response? Joel relates to us the divine prescription as he continues in verses 12 and 13. Yet now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Hearing these words, ask yourself this, are these words we would normally associate with Advent or a different liturgical season, the season of Lent? Now, take a moment this Sunday at Mass to watch, to look at your surroundings. What color do you see? The same liturgical color that you see during Lent. Purple. Purple is also the color of the stole a priest wears during the Sacrament of Reconciliation. There is simply no way around it, fellow sinners. Advent is not a season for partying and accumulating stuff. Advent is a season of repentance, a season of austerity. And it isn't just the changing of the liturgical colors that makes this clear to us. 
the changing of the environmental season does as well. St. John Henry Newman makes this connection clear in one of his Advent sermons, where he begins, Year after year, as it passes, brings us the same warnings again and again, and none perhaps more impressive than those with which it comes to us at this season. The very frost and cold, rain and gloom which now befall us, forebode the last dreary days of the world, and in religious hearts raise the thought of them. The year is worn out. Spring, summer, autumn, each in turn, have brought their gifts and done their utmost, but they are over, and the end is come. Newman's approach here is imitative of Jesus's. In the passage immediately following Jesus' description of the day of his coming, he says, Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happen, that is, the things he had just previously described, Know that he is near at the gates. Similarly, Newman is saying to us, Watch, pay attention to the changing of the seasons, and feel their shifting in your blood and bones, for it all has something to tell you, a message from the Creator through his creation. And the message is this, One day, too, your end will come, a time when the vigor of life fades from you, taken back by the one who gave it to you. Return it to him voluntarily, then. Do not shirk or hold back, for the end will come, and only the creature who returns life to the Creator voluntarily, as we do every year, will receive it once again, just as we do in the spring. Advent is a season of repentance. This time of the year is intentionally chosen by the church in her great wisdom. In the frost and chill, we can feel the bitterness of sin in our bones. For the cold has the same effect on our bodies as sin does on the soul. It makes it sluggish, immobile, lifeless. Quite often we think of those trapped in sin as engulfed by flames, but Dante is more theologically accurate when in the Divine Comedy he depicts Satan at the bottom of hell, not engulfed in flame, but frozen in ice. A once powerful and majestic angel, so turned in on himself is Satan, that he has immobilized and rendered himself impotent. The human soul does the same to itself as it accumulates sin, the coldness and hardness of vice immobilizing the supple vigor of virtue and the warmth of divine charity. Only by repentance, by turning back to God through His Son, who is beginning to draw near and who will come to meet us on Christmas, can melt the ice of sin and bring new virtuous life to our souls. It is thus that the Church bids us pray in the responsorial psalm, Psalm 80, this day, Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Such is the prayer of a penitent. Such is the prayer of a people who knows they are in desperate need of a Savior and who watch hopefully for his coming. But such a prayer cannot be uttered from the human heart on its own. Even the prayer of the penitent is an effect of grace in the soul. Thus the psalmist prays in verse 15, Turn back, God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. For only then, the psalmist continues in verse 19, we will not withdraw from you. Revive us, and we will call upon your name. Thus, during this season of repentance, we must also watch for the offering of God's grace to us. For in the very offering, God is reaching out to us to turn us back to himself. Watch then for the offering of grace over the next four weeks, for only with the help of this grace will we be prepared for the arrival of the Son of God. 
Where should we be on watch for this offering? In several places. First of all, in the sacraments. For it is in the sacraments that the Son of God comes to meet us beforehand, as it were, to minister to us through the action of the Holy Spirit. He will come to cleanse and heal us through the sacrament of reconciliation and strengthen us through the Eucharist, the bread that will sustain us on our Advent journey. We should also watch for the offering of grace through the sacramental of the season, the Advent wreath. By taking the time to pray with this sacramental of the church, we prepare for the coming of Christ in his birth, through the sacraments, and at the end of time. This sacramental itself calls us to prayer, which is another way we can be on continual watch throughout the Advent season. For this season of the church offers unique prayers intended to prepare us for the coming of the Savior, for example, in the great O Antiphons of Advent. Finally, we should be on watch for what the Word of God will teach us over the next several weeks in and through those whom we encounter, in day-to-day interactions and in Scripture. In our Gospel passages, we will meet two key exemplary figures who, if we but watch attentively, will demonstrate for us how to prepare rightly for the coming of the Son of God. These figures, moreover, provide a helpful lens through which to view the world so that we are able to recognize through whom God is at work and present among us. For though the entertainment and retail industries have attempted to co-opt this holy season, there is plenty of genuine divine love at work around us in an especially intense way, if we but watch. My friends, this weekend Jesus bids us watch. Watch for his advent his arrival. More to it, we are to watch not only for his birth, but for his second coming and judgment, and therefore we must prepare ourselves to encounter him. Our preparation begins, as we have discussed, by watching for him through the changing of the seasons, through sacraments, scripture, sacramental, and prayer. As we watch and receive the grace he offers us, we must prepare ourselves to meet him by exercising the very same grace throughout this Advent season. By doing so, we cooperate with God's desire to convert us to himself and thereby draw us into ever deeper communion with him. Thus, St. John Henry Newman says, Advent is a season for chastened hearts and religious eyes, for severe thoughts and austere resolves and charitable deeds, a season for remembering what we are and what we shall be. Let us wait for him solemnly, fearfully, hopefully, patiently, obediently. Let us be resigned to his will while active in good works. Thank you for listening to this week's Gospel Reflection. For more resources, please visit us at freshimage.org. And remember, when you live a fresh life, you will be a breath of God's fresh, life-giving air to the world.